So, hello Anna and welcome to the Everyday Ceremony. I'm really, really happy that we made it after weeks and months of <laughs> trying and trying, but not getting together. And so, yeah, now we're here and I'm, I'm really, really happy to have, have you and to welcome you on here. Yeah, thank you for ha having me. Like, it's really exciting. But I actually wanted to, 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 to start you in the very beginning because I know that you work with the subconscious mind, you work with beliefs, with patterns. One of the tools that you use is hypnotherapy. And I actually watched a movie with my wife the other day and <laughs> there was this magician guy and he was doing hypnosis. And so now it sounds similarly. And what this guy was doing was basically putting people in a trance and like telling them to do weird shit. And I just wanted to maybe ask you to clarify the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And because when I, when I watched it, I was like, this is kind of sketchy. Like I, I would not want to book a session with Anna and then she makes me do weird shit, you know, but I guess it's not the same thing, but I don't know. So I would like to ask you, maybe you could, yeah, just bring some clarity in here. What is maybe the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? That is honestly such a good question for a first question as well. So um, what you're not like, what you're seeing is like what we would call like stage hypnotism. So okay. State hypnotism and hypnotherapy are two very different things. Now, what movie did you watch just to start with? Just so I can. Um, it, it was actually a series. It was called uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. So, like, what they would probably do is like they probably click someone into place and like they could say, like, sleep, they sleep, awake, they awake. And so it's really interesting how stage hypnotism works because. Everyone can go into a trance. You go into a trance every single day, right? So you go into a trance when you're driving a car, when you're reading a book. You're going from this, like, multiple different stages of your consciousness, you know. So anything that involves repetition is, is a trance. It's that daydream state. And so what you do when you're doing stage hypnotism or any hypnotism in that sense is that you kind of put the person into that trance and then you shock them to go even lower. So, and then what they do is they create these repetitive cues. So for instance, my like one that I use is like deeper. So once you use a certain amount of repetition, you can actually get someone to go deeper and deeper. They could say sleep and stuff like that. So, but the thing about um, specifically stage hypnotism or street hypnotism, um, you can only hypnotize a certain kind of person. Now, anyone can go into a trance state. Anyone can be hypnotized. But when it comes to stage hypnotism, there's only like a 10% amount of people that can be hypnotized. But the thing is, is that they're able to pick it in a crowd by using certain words and seeing the reactions on your face and saying that person. Mm. It's the highly extroverted people who can actually go into it easy because they don't care. If you were very introverted, you wouldn't be able to. You could if you were doing yeah. a hypnotherapy um, session. And so that's when hypnotherapy is different. That's just putting someone into hypnosis. But the thing about hypnosis is if you don't want to go into it and you're not open to it, you won't. You are in full control of what is happening. You know, your subconscious mind is just letting it happen. Um, 
you know, again, for stage hypnotism, it's just really extroverted people who just want to have fun to do it. So you can see a lot of like hypnotism in, in movies where they're able to like take control of people. That's not possible. But if you look at stage hypnotism, if you go on YouTube and stuff like that, you can see people will pretend to be a dog and a lot of different stuff. But there is a part of them that wants to experience that. So they let the hypnotist, I guess, take control isn't the word, but I'm just going to use it now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what makes hypnotherapy different is we put you into hypnosis. So we, we pretty much... People say, um, oh, do you get put to sleep? And no, you do not get put put to sleep. You are completely aware. You're completely awake. Even when you're in um, stage hypnotism, you're completely aware of what you're doing. You're just more in this confused state. And instead of you having your own conscious mind, the stage hypnotist is the conscious mind, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Commanding the subconscious to speak and to act like a dog or whatever it is. And so where hypnotherapy comes into place, anyone can be hypnotized. If I have someone, a client who I can't hypnotize, which has only happened to me twice, um, it's one of two reasons. One, they do not trust me. Second, they do not trust themselves. And majority of the time it is they don't trust themselves. Yeah. If you're booking a session with me, you, you automatically trust me. So going so we, what we do is we put you into a trance so we just turn off your conscious mind your conscious mind is a part of you that is able to lie is able to bullshit your subconscious mind doesn't in that sense you know we are our biggest bullshitters it's why like therapy can do really really well but we have our own ego we want to be seen mm -hmm. a certain way we want to act a certain way even if we're not even aware of it you know we're not conscious of that so how hypnotherapy works is we put someone into like a more meditative, relaxed state, turn off their conscious mind. And so we have access to their entire subconscious where they're not able to cloud things or bullshit things or let that ego come and in, come into place. And so a lot of the time that's where we have, you know, locked memories and um, just a lot of trauma and everything like that as well. So a lot of the times when we're having these really toxic or negative habits, you know, a lot of the time we don't know the reason why. And because it's a blocked memory, it was so traumatizing that our body goes into this like triggered reaction. It shocks, it freezes, blocks it out. And so mm -hmm. that's when a trigger is formed when we have these really, really negative reactions to things in our life. But what hypnotherapy does is it just allows us to go and, we don't relive the memory, but we release it in that sense. It, there's, there's a lot of different examples and different areas, but that's just a quick version. That, that's amazing. No, it's, it's beautiful to hear that it only really works on the foundation of agreement and trust. And that it's like really, I think it's, it's, it's important for a lot of people to, to know that they're kind of still in charge. And if they really don't want to go there, like you can't make them go there, but it can definitely be, you, you can be a facilitator in that sense of like helping them to go to places where maybe they could not go by themselves because there is some kind of protective pattern that has been established to actually not experience that pain or experience that traumatic experience over again. And so it's, 
it's beautiful to just see that it's nobody can really fuck you up with it. It's actually it can only be really used to to help, right? It it cannot really be used as a as a weapon or as a thing to fuck you up. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I'm the guide, you do the work. Like mm -hmm. the thing about hypnotherapy as well is that the subconscious actually talks in a different language. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'd still be speaking English, but it doesn't understand certain metaphors. It doesn't understand certain forms of speech. The subconscious doesn't even understand the concept of time. You couldn't say past or anything. So that's the hardest part about navigating the subconscious mind or whatever you want to call it, the unconscious mind is that that's what I am trained in doing is talking to it differently and guiding you. You, you do the work. But it's interesting you said the whole thing around um, control. Like when I first uh, started getting hypnotherapy done and like I was like going, I was going through like a spiritual awakening and all of this stuff. And like people in my family were like, but they're going to start to control you and they're going to do all this. And they were getting really like, um, it was just so funny, like their reactions to it. And yeah. then they, my brother asked me a question, like, could they, could they like get you into a cult? Could mm. hypnotherapy or hypnosis put you into a cult? And I said, yes but only if i already wanted to be in the cult okay if that makes sense so i couldn't if if you wanted me to like do something and i didn't want to do it be like no my subconscious mind would be no but if i already wanted to do it subconsciously 100 you could so mm -hmm. if any bad things happen out of a place of hypnosis it's because you already secretly wanted that to happen mm -hmm. wow very interesting. So it's basically just allowing things to surface that are already there. It's not creating anything that isn't within you already. Yeah, pretty much. Like you can, you do a lot of work with like the belief systems. So if you're wanting to find more confidence or if you're wanting to mm -hmm. get over people pleasing or something like that, you know, that's quite, that's something I work with a lot. But mm -hmm. we first look at to the reasons, okay, so why do you people please and why why don't you have confidence? What happened to you for you to believe that you're lower than others? Because no, no one is born with low self-worth. Yeah. There are specific events or a big event that has happened for that to cause. And then what we do after that session is we'll go into more hypnotherapy sessions, but working on subconscious reprogramming so you know like allowing memories to surface of when you were confident and then i can help create triggers and words so every single time you take a deep breath you will feel more confident you'll feel more alive mm -hmm. you'll feel more relaxed so i can mm -hmm. actually implement words in their subconscious so for the future if they take a deep breath they can actually reset themselves mm -hmm. so i can help create better habits through subconscious yeah. reprogramming yes that's but again, beautiful you, you have to want that for it to work yeah yeah sure you'll you'll have to want that and as you said like the the confidence does not come out of nowhere but the confidence was there at a certain point right like it's it's just that something else happened that maybe um kind of blocked that access to that feeling of self-confidence and deservingness and enoughness. And so you just help that person basically 
maybe break down that illusion, break down that protection mechanism that actually holds them back from accessing that feeling of deservingness, of being enough, of being confident and strong and loving themselves. And so it's helping people recalibrate into their natural state of being kind of. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because like, you know, we look at a lot of like the mental health these days and you know yeah. you'll see like the one it's such a common thing is you know my mum has anxiety so I have anxiety and so like yes you have anxiety but that is not who you are mm -hmm. that is majority of the time like there are some genetical you know things that we can pick up from family but majority of everything statistically is, is a belief it's a learned mm -hmm. habit you know it's really really common if you're If you have a family member that sits in the mirror and goes, you know, I'm fat and I'm ugly and you see that as a child. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, as a, as a baby, you know, it's like my favorite analogy that my facilitator who, who taught me hypnotherapy uses, you know, as a baby, like we are a blank paper, a blank piece of paper, mm -hmm. you know, we love ourselves so much that we even enjoy rolling in our own feces. Like that's how much we love ourselves. Like, yeah. And like, you know, if we want food, give me food. I'm going to cry. I want attention. Give me attention. Like there's, this, there's not this idea of like, oh, is that people pleasing? Oh, is that not okay? We, when we want something, we do it. But then over time, these belief systems, oh, you can do this. You can't do this. This is your name. This is your family. Your mom struggles with this. This is what's expected of you. And so our entire persona gets created but as we are born our self-worth is high you know um yeah it's really really interesting that there's a point at around seven years old so before seven years old we don't actually have a subconscious everything okay. we're doing we're conscious of and then we hit this age of seven and everything that was um like conscious of becomes our subconscious so majority of the way we look at ourselves, the way we believe ourselves, our ability to show up in life happened before the age of seven. Mm -hmm. So that's like the time frame that you then work with, with most of your clients is like that time from being born to seven years old, because that's where like most of the roots have actually started to grow and everything else is kind of based upon the, the first seven years? Um, I'd say like 60% of the time, yes. Yeah. 60%, like obviously there's a lot of things that can be created, like, you know, being bullied in high school and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that can really like detriment you. But even if you, even if we will go into that memory of them being bullied, we will also go into that memory and then sometimes we'll go even back to when their own you know parent would belittle themselves sit there and belittle themselves like oh you can't do anything you're so crap at this and so seeing how seeing how their family member talked to themselves like that allowed them to let situations in for them to be belittled as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so it's so... Like... sorry go ahead please no that's it that's it um, okay so, so it's kind of still that there, even though there is, or there might be experiences later on in life that, that do have an impact and that are, can be called traumatic, um, and so on are still being 
maybe attracted from a certain field of belief that might run in the family or that might have just been lived out by the parents or early on in life just as an as an example basically like it's the the kind of nurture of a person like that kind of field that they got exposed to that then they kind of carry within them and that then attract something later on in life that is then not before seven but kind of already got the seed got planted before that so it's yeah there's a lot there's a lot in those first couple of months and years of our lives that determine how if we don't pay attention and if we don't work with those um, beliefs and with those patterns that could then run the rest of our life right yeah, pretty much. And like, you know, you don't have to go all the way to like, what is the root cause or the exact situation, mm-hmm. but just simply becoming conscious of, you know, the habit that you're doing, you know, even looking at like, um, you know, you're looking at your week or some, something like that. Like, you know, is there a, a day every single week that's bad? Is there a time in the day that's always bad? You know, mm-hmm. that itself is a pattern, but, um, yeah, planting the seed is a is a very very good analogy to use for that. Definitely, like you can, you can go through many traumatic things uh, later in life. Like for an example, um, one of my clients that we went through, she was this massive, like she was an athlete. She used to compete around the world and everything like that, and she was driving and got into a car accident she became a paraplegic for two years Mm. and before that you know she had this fit healthy amazing body and then suddenly she's got nothing that's absolutely traumatizing Mm. and she ended up like getting better and then 10 years later we did a session and she was like you know i really want to let go of this experience i want to let go of this trauma because like i just feel like it's holding me back you know her body she was still feeling like all this pain and everything in her body and when we went back to the experience we didn't actually go back into the car accident we went back to her thoughts when she was having the car accident Mm. and her thoughts of when we're having the car accident was when she was a child and she was the oldest of eight siblings you know, her father and mother never allowed her to go to school or anything like that. She had to look after her siblings and she always had to overwork herself to be appreciated and to be seen. She always had to push herself past her boundaries. She had to break her body in order to be worthy. And then her body broke again. Wow. So letting go of this need that in order to be seen, in order to be worthy, that I have to overwork myself and I have to be more than I am, that I have to push my boundaries. So it's interesting when we do have these traumatic things that happen to us when we're older, what what were we thinking about? What was happening in that moment for us to not be present for it to happen? I mean, Mm -hmm. multiple different things can happen. But again, the, the mind is such a magical psychedelic place you know it's it's crazy it's it's so interesting that you said or that you touched upon this thing is like when those traumatic things happen it 
oftentimes it's really interesting to look into where we were in our mind. Like, obviously not present in the moment because probably present in the moment if we come back to what you said about babies being born into this world as like this blank sheet of paper and actually being fully deserving is like, why would I wish myself those things? But if there is this experience of, for example, always having to break myself, always having to outwork myself to even just get attention, not even maybe be loved in the way that I needed really, but just to get some attention. And I think about that and I'm still like living somewhere in my mind in this reality. Of course, then this is a completely different reality that we create in the present moment, yet not really, not really in the present moment, but from the past. And so it's interesting how much like potency those thoughts and those those beliefs at the end carry because they really are commanding our bodies to do certain things and to develop certain ailments or challenges or blockages or tensions or whatsoever based upon what we believe we deserve and what we believe about the world at large and ourselves. And I would be curious how you actually went down that path. Like, how did you actually start to get interested in that whole field of beliefs and patterns and hypnotherapy and working with the mind and the subconscious and all of that just happen one day? Or is there a little bit of a pre-story? Oh, definitely. Are you going to hear some like childhood trauma on this? Fuck yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So I guess um, for my like little backstory on me is like, I, you know, I had parents who were kids that had kids, you know, they mm. like drink, did drugs. So I kind of grew up, grew up in a very chaotic household. I'm one of three, I've got three brothers. So I looked after my brothers, you know, um, both my parents had severe mental health problems. My mum had like, you know, severe depression, um, bipolar. My dad was like suicidal and stuff like that at certain points. So it was really um, like, I guess, just, just a chaotic household. But, uh, and, you know, I didn't really realise how bad it was. Like things got better and things would. My parents now are amazing people. Like they're really, really awesome. But, you know, from that zero to seven age, I, that was probably my most hardest periods of my life. Like at the age of seven, I decided to stop crying because it didn't serve me. I just got mm. bad reactions. I got, you know, abuse and stuff like that. And so I didn't cry from seven till the age of 18. I just disassociated myself. And so when I first started doing the work on myself, you know, I was, I was very, a very different person to where I am now. You know, I was quite masculine in like the sense of like I've always got to be doing I've got to push myself and I got to work hard had a very bad mindset when it came around money and, and receiving and um, a lot of different things like I used to like my I have I've broken over 22 bones in my body because I would just push myself to breaking points similar to the client I was talking to you about before you know um I would, could never feel enough. Like I used to be a backpacker. I used to live in a van. I remember literally climbing a mountain 
But then before I finished climbing that mountain, I would see the next one and be like, I need to climb that one. I couldn't even be present in the achievement that I've done. Mm. It was always the next, next, go, 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 go. And just always unsatisfied to the point that I would break. And then my bones would break. I'd be forced to be stagnant. And then I'd go into severe depression. Mm. And that was just the pattern, constant, 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 constant. So I actually got started getting hypnotherapy done on me. Um, I went through this like spiritual awakening and I was like, okay, I'll just hire this like spiritual hypnotherapist. And, you know, one of the first memories that we went into was when I was six years old and my mom tried to kill me. And that memory that, that, that we released and we let go and we did all this inner child healing and all this forgiveness. And it wasn't about forgiving my mom. It was actually about forgiving myself because I believed I deserved to die. I believe mm. that I deserve to be abused. You know, I believe that I deserve to be punished. So once I actually released that memory in myself, I no longer had this need to push myself past my boundaries and to punish myself, to break myself. You know, I forgave myself. You know, I'm not the reason that my mom's sick because that was the, the belief that was created as a child. So for mm -hmm. me, like I had, a, I got lots and lots of sessions done, but, you know, I went from this person who just hated themselves, who was either in this like really, really high stage of confidence and just like high masculine, like I've, I've got this to like severe depression. I could not get mm. this balance of like, I'm comfortable in myself. I can sit still. You know, so hypnotherapy for me allowed me to bring all these patterns and all these beliefs to make them conscious and to work through them. Now, it's important to know that hypnotherapy doesn't just like suddenly like fix you. It just allow it just brings it to the surface, lets it go. But it's the integration that you do after that really makes the effects. You know, the habits that you put mm -hmm. in after, the way you talk to yourself after. Um, but yeah, for me, like hypnotherapy really saved me because the that specific memory that i told you there i have no idea that existed did not remember it because for me that was you know a really hard thing as a child so you automatically put it put it to the back of your brain like you don't have a there's no yeah. such thing as um like not remembering your mind will remember everything it's just about accessing it which is the difficult part wow thank you so much for sharing that it's there was so many little bits in there that resonated a lot with me, even though I had a completely different experience as a child, there is quite similar patterns that established themselves. Like what, when you said that with like hiking up that mountain and then already seeing the next one, I was like, oops, <laughs> I know that one. It's like when it's just never enough, when there is like the... The achievement basically brings the the confidence, seemingly, but it actually never satisfies. So that is the thing that actually also kept me running and running and running and running and running, whereas like I couldn't sit still. And then I would always come to a place when I would injure myself and I would have to sit still. And as, exactly as you described it, that's when the like the depressive phase kicked in again because I was actually realizing how much I didn't like myself, like how, 
how I was actually doing everything. Yes, exactly. How I was actually doing everything in my life to run away. Or even those really high achievements that I was going for at a certain point were like punishments because they were so hard and actually so draining on my body. But I believe that I had to actually be punished because I got punished as a child as well. It's like not, not in the ways that you just described it, but in other ways where I got compared with other students in my class and they were always better than me in a certain way. That was punishment. And then I was a little bit chubby and then I would not be allowed to have sweets anymore because I was chubby. And so there was so many reasons why I was not right and why I was deserving to be punished that at a certain point when the punishment from home felt away, I was still there punishing myself because I still believed that this was wrong. Like actually everything about me was wrong, even though I was not chubby anymore, you know, and I was a smart guy, you know, and like so many things changed. But the one thing that didn't change was what I believed about myself. And th that's so interesting to, to see and to, just remember as well it's like everything in our lives can actually change but if our belief about ourselves doesn't change then we still live in our little probably fucked up reality and we say that the world is against us or that nobody loves us even though everybody might be actually cheering you on but you can literally not perceive that and that is so interesting to hear from you that that was a thing that carried through your life for a long time. And then when you actually just created awareness around that and you, you saw that like at, at the end, it was about seeing that situation and seeing that belief and seeing that um, kind of reality that got created for you in that moment that actually opened up opportunity to be different. And that's really beautiful to see that it's like, oftentimes I still feel like there is a lot of emphasis put on like, you got to do different things. Like you got to just change. And then if you change, then your life is going to change. But the question is like, which part of yourself actually changes? Like if you just change, try to change things in your day-to-day -day life, without actually changing the underlying belief about your reality, probably not much will actually change, right? Or what, what is your kind of perspective on that? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, it's a big thing. Like, you'll see people like, I need to get a new job. Things will be different. Mm -hmm. You know, things will be different if I get a new friendship group. I'm going to go live in another city and you see these people and like we've i mean i feel like everyone can relate to this in some sort of way it doesn't change the same situation happens but you got to look at it as and then you know physical change can help a lot so if you if you know like actually being aware and being like so let's say like you just like shit's happened it's been create it's been crazy um and you want to like move to a different city that's like a very common thing i think a lot of people do these days and like yeah do that because the physical change can help so much but you also need to be aware of the mental so if you're looking at like um if you have like lots of relationships whether it's like um 
you know, like a loving relationship or a friendship relationship and you're always being belittled. Okay, so what part of you feels worthy to be belittled? What part of you is addicted to that? Mm-hmm. How does that validate you? Does that make you feel like a victim? Mm-hmm. Does that give you attention? You know, a lot of times when people are being like quite abused or if you're in like this abusive, like yelling, like relationship, like you never got attention as a child or you got a lots of attention. You know, what part of the relationships that you have around you, the situations you have around you, what part of that is the same as childhood? Because what was what your childhood was, so for me, living in a highly chaotic childhood, people um, either being super, super chaotic or completely disassociated, that's normal. And that, mm-hmm. because that was normal, that's safe. You know, I was in a relationship for so long where my partner would just disassociate from me. If he saw me upset or if he saw me like anything but happy, he would just disassociate from me and just not talk to me for ages. But that's what my parents did. So that's safe. That's normal. Mm. So I think like physical change is like, great, do it. But do some inner work, do some shadow work around why those situations happened in the, in the first place. Because every situation that we have in our life, part of us is addicted to that and, and that is validating for us in some yeah. sort of way. Like oftentimes when you have these really egotistic people who cause lots of drama, you know, like causing drama was the only ever way they got seen and heard as a child. Like I had a friend who was one of five and was, in, you know, was the eldest and never got attention. So she had to create these massive scenarios and be really hysterical because now I get attention. Now I get seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the opposite. Yeah. It's very interesting you mention like attention a lot and so that it kind of all comes down to how we were able to get attention from like the world around us as children and how we actually all are still in some some way like addicted to that attention from the outside and like that we do sometimes really crazy and really unhealthy and really disserving things to ourselves and the world around us to to get attention what would you see as like a way out of that like a a different kind of way of getting that attention instead of like constantly seeking it on the outside like what what is also you talked about integration like what are for example practices what are habits what are certain things to implement to actually get out of that constant cycle of seeking attention from the outside? Really good question. Um, yeah. So I think like the first, like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a process I do, I do with clients with this and it, it is quite a slow process. I would say, because as much as we live such a fast life, our mind does work quite slow. Hmm. like the average way to get rid of a habit is what three months or something like that that's like the average time so I work on the same bias of like when we're wanting to stop a pattern or stop a certain thought we need to work on it like for three months consistently to really be able to 
get it. So the first part is just like simply being, just being aware of it. Like, okay, I'm triggered. Why am I triggered? We don't have to know why, but just I'm triggered. First week, you know, I'm tr- triggered. Mm-hmm. Second week, why am I triggered? How am I triggered? Third week, why? Where do I feel this in my body? What does it? What does it feel like? Fourth week, what does this remind me of? Can you hear that noise? Yeah. Um, no, no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, what does this remind me of? What feeling does this make? <laughs> yeah. What feeling does this? Um, Okay, let, let him do his job. It's probably the garbage truck, no? No, someone's on the roof. Ah, that's it's a it's a drilling yeah. machine, right? Or what is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it quite loud? Yeah, pretty much, but let's see. Okay, he's he's pretty consistent. Yeah, we'll see though. We'll see. Okay. Um, all right, I'll continue. So, where was I? Um, yes. So four. fourth week. Um, so we got like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, just getting in getting into it and then like the last one that you really want to get into is like what does this remind me of what does this feeling Mm -hmm. remind me of does it remind me of when you know i I had to be silent because that's what a good girl does that's what a good boy does you know do i freeze because of that because it's easier to be small than it is to be heard so that's a little process there and then once once you get through that point i go okay so if it's like I need attention and I want to be loud, like, okay, so how can I hear myself? If I'm needing other people to hear me, how can I do that myself? Because there's that whole thing of like, mm-hmm. you know, we just need to be able to feel the love for ourselves. Like no one can fulfill you, only you can fulfill yourself. You know, like you can have a loving relationship with a partner, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the ability for you to feel comfortable in yourself, to feel comfortable in the relationship, right? So asking like questions of like, you know, okay, so I feel, I feel unheard. I feel unseen. Okay. So how can I see myself? How can I hear myself? What do I need to do (laughs) um, in order to fulfill this in myself? (laughs) We definitely have somebody on the roof who wants attention. No, it was a roof, and then now it's like a wall. Who knows? Who knows? It's the South America, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just like asking yourself the question of how can I, how can I create this in myself? What can I do? What can I do mm-hmm. to make myself feel loved, seen, heard, valued, respected? Um, and like that can look different for everyone else because what makes us feel seen, heard, valued, accepted is different for everyone. You know, we're all like such different diverse people. Like I can't say one thing 
works. You know, it's the biggest thing I've learned in my own business is I think we go to school, we go, we all learn the same way. And I no, I think that's bullshit. Like I think we're all so different and we all need to do things differently. We all have different likes, wants, needs. So yeah, what what it is to you, there's no like specific thing, but whatever makes you feel loved, whatever makes you feel safe, whatever makes you feel valued, how can you do that yourself? Um, and just working mm-hmm. with that process really slowly. I'm not, it depends on the client. Like some clients will do it in like a month. Other ones can take up to like four months. It just really depends on your own speed. Yeah. In that sense, I'm not a big fan of pushing. I used to be a big pusher, but now learning that like we, we, we all learn so differently and we all have um, things that we're good at and we're bad at. And that's okay. Yeah. But so what I, what I hear you say is that the process itself is like, very unique for everyone because as you said correctly like we are all unique and i think the whole idea of oh we have one school system or like one like nutrition plan or one workout plan or this or that and that will fix us all that kind of creates a lot of problems in the first place so there is like a very individual process to everyone yet there there are like some corner points like For example, first of all, accepting that things are the way they are right now and then looking into those things and finding compassion in there and being gentle with oneself and then taking responsibility and actually stepping into one's power of like providing that attention and love and safety that we seek for ourselves and in that process being patient is kind of there's still a lot of room to wiggle and there's still a lot of room to actually bring the uniqueness in there but i loved how you put that that there is a certain process of like you will have to accept yourself with your experience otherwise you will still be probably in some kind of pattern of running away or hiding or avoiding or freezing or fighting where from that you can't really change because you're still, you're trying to avoid actually the pattern with your pattern. And so this acceptance part is very powerful. And I think like the, really the, the, the stepping stone, like the first kind of entry point into that whole process, right? Like really allowing yourself to actually be the way you are. It's like, I, when, when I work with clients, there is oftentimes the question, how do I get rid of my trauma? And I'm like, we got to work on that. <laughs> like yeah. you can't get rid of your trauma. Like the, the situation itself won't ever leave. Like it's in the past. Like it has happened. Like you won't wiggle around with that. But what can change is the perception. And the perception right now is I want to get it out. Meaning there is a lot of resistance there. Whereas if we can come more into acceptance and openness, it's a completely different ball game. Like we play a literally completely different game in a completely different reality. And that is, yeah, it's beautiful that 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 is also such a important point in your work is like that acceptance and that seeing and in the beginning not even understanding why like the first week not even understanding why or how or whatsoever but just being like oh yeah there's something there and it's somewhere within me like it's somewhere within my body and 
that already established kind of a um a relationship and then out of that can be created a responsibility and actually an empowerment of like oh it's within me like it's it's not my mom it's not my dad it's not my teacher it's actually it's within me so i can actually work with that and so i i really love that process that you actually um talked into with those weeks of like patiently kind of getting to know those parts, those beliefs, and then slowly starting to to work with them. Definitely, and like uh, I love what you said around like the acceptance. Like it's it's so true. It's so true. Like the the thing is, yes, we live really really fast paced lives, but our mind works really really slow. And when people often have relapses or they get re triggered, like it can it happens all the time. Someone will be doing all this inner work, and they'll be like, uh, like for like a whole month, they've just like been like, go 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 like oh my gosh I'm like this is great and then something will happen and they'll relapse fucking hard into these like really bad toxic habits and it's because they just overloaded themselves yeah so they um yeah they just they just overloaded themselves with with so much because like your brain is moves really really slowly like you can move really really fast once you train it up to a certain point can take mm-hmm. a lot less but like you do have to work quite slow with yourself because if you do push it too fast you can have a relapse mm-hmm. and so like being being gentle and like the biggest thing that i had to learn like still something i'm still learning is just like not beating yourself up and not going into that stage of like you know like this didn't happen perfectly which means i'm not enough or i'm too much like no like one thing I often tell myself and tell my clients when they're not happy with themselves or if they react in a certain way or if they get triggered, I still get triggered. Like that still happens with me. And like something I try to tell myself all the time. I'm like, or even if you go into like a regret of like, I can't believe I reacted like that two years ago or whatever, you know, going back to my something, you did the best you could have done with the knowledge and belief systems you had. I am proud of you. Mm -hmm. Like, really taking it back because beating ourselves up treating ourselves like shit being bullies it doesn't help like there is that like discipline that you need and that's different but treating ourselves like shit you're just you're just re-traumatizing yourself yeah and it's so interesting to hear you say that and it's like of course like i know that and still when do I really take that time to appreciate myself? It's like, it's still one of the things where like, as you said, is like, that's one of the things that I also work on or like with myself is like really taking that time and just giving myself a pat on the back and maybe even a hug and just laying down on the couch. I actually did that just before we started recording. I just laid on the couch and gave myself a hug and I was just like, you're doing great, man. Because there were so many thoughts about like, how's this going to go? And it's like, I recorded over a hundred podcasts already. I think I had, I don't know how many guests, like 20, 30, whatsoever. Like it never was shit, you know, every conversation was different, but it's like, I always did my best. And I know that, and it was always a beautiful conversation. Uh, no matter if there was like some background noises here or there or whatsoever, it doesn't matter. But still, there is this belief somehow of that I need to be punished. 
because something with me is just wrong. Whereas, like, it doesn't need to be even a, a certain, like, specific thing, but it's just still there is a layer of that belief still there that I'm integrating and that I'm trying to hold more and more. And it's like, as you said, kind of it's a slow process and it's it's i think also not supposed to be fast but even just the thought that it should be faster is already a judgment that how the process is going is not right that there is something wrong with the process which again like reinforces that same belief of like oh my god i should be fixed already which is like you are whole bro like you good like there's literally nothing wrong it's just this entire mind game that you've been playing. And so it's, it's very interesting how, how we talk about these things as well, where it's, we, we say like, oh, I'm still working on that as if it would stop at any time. It's like, of course you're still working on it because this is your fucking life's work. And it's, it's so interesting how there is, I th and I think this is, and I would, be really curious to hear your opinion about that but i feel like that this is kind of like a human condition in general and condition is the wrong word but a human thing in general that we think that at a certain point there will come a resolution that will make us like feel free and complete and at peace forever and that is actually the very thing, like that expectation or that hope is kind of really taking us out of the present moment and is really taking us out of that freedom and out of that wholeness and out of that sensation of peace because we still urge and surge and like um, kind of want want to get somewhere else where it is different that like we want to come back to the garden of eden instead of allowing garden of eden to be here right now like it's it's very interesting how there is still this very future based kind of lifestyle and it's like everywhere somehow very subtle and i would just like like to hear like what what do you like what do you think about that? What do you feel about that? Is yeah. that a human thing in general or is that just me? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that's like a human thing in general. Like I completely like see that and just to agree with that. Like I think um, one question I always used to ask one of my old mentors is like, when am I healed? When am I mm. fixed? When do I stop having these intrusive thoughts? And you know, it's, I don't even remember what she said, but it's something that I, I learned. And I learned, I guess, how I learned was like falling in love with the polarity of life, you know, understanding that if I want to feel happiness, because I'm a very happy person, but I'm a very happy person because I've experienced depression. You know, like we can't have one without the other, like, you know, we want to have certainty, we need to have uncertainty. Um, you know, just like, once I kind of found this acceptance that like there is beauty in the shit, that there is good in it, you know, I, I began to become okay. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is like, you know, we all, we all still have these intrusive thoughts and we all have this like low self and limiting belief. It's not to say that that doesn't go away, 
but the more you train your brain and the more you train your mind, the more you understand, okay, who's this talking? Mm -hmm. Is this me? Or is this part of me that fears living in the past and who should I listen to? Like That's something I guess I came to understand. So I definitely agree with you. You still have that like, doesn't matter how many times you can do something you know you could be a freaking expert in it you know you look at these like sporting documentaries with these climbers or like these like boxes and stuff like that and you know like oh when does the fear stop and then i'm fucking scared Mm. all the time you know they, they say things like that like it's not to say you don't get to this point of being fixed or healed you just learn which voice should i be listening to I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's beautiful. What what just came up for me while you were saying that is like, we we I think we learn how to be better observers, where it's like, we have the left eye, we have the right eye. So those are already polarities. Those are already like one is more in the feminine and more in the intuitive and like life based um, perspective and the other one is more in like the rational and the logic and like ending things finishing things achieving things perspective and then why do we for example meditate is because we can get into the third eye like we can get into the observer that actually allows both to be there and it's interesting to see how even or what what means even how i myself I'm still somehow striving for either the left eye or the right eye. Like I'm still striving for like either the masculine or the feminine. I'm like, oh my God, I'm too masculine right now. I got to go more into the feminine. Or, oh, I'm too feminine right now. I got to go into the masculine. Whereas actually this just keeps this polarity game like, yeah. like flipping around. And it's like this, is it called a flipper like this game where the ball just like i like to say like the pendulum swing yeah that is a lot more gentle and calm actually (laughs) but for me it feels more like the ball is going nuts in this (laughs) machine (laughs) so but but like it's really interesting how i think still sometimes that this is going to bring any relief or i'm going to fix something within that if like i'm not doing enough that I gotta do more, but it's actually just like, okay, now I'm hitting the pendulum into the other direction, meaning I will eventually swing back. And so actually the swinging will probably never stop, but if we can look at the pendulum and we don't identify so much with the, with the pendulum itself, then it just might feel a lot more calm and a lot more peaceful because also talking about the the yin and yang um like that symbol is very beautiful and i don't know where i heard it but it was um that actually it is really neither about being in the masculine or being in the feminine but it is really about being on the line between the two like being able to observe the two playing out and weaving and like the yin and yang if that would be animated by AI, <laughs> that would be a wave. Like it would not keep the same proportions all the time. Like it would shift and it would weave and like just melt into one another. And now it's up to us to keep being on the line and observing those tendencies 
instead of, oh my God, this is to this or to that. And now I got to do the exact opposite, hoping to come into balance. But actually what we do, we give that pendulum a big old swing and then we are surprised when it's just getting more and more extreme in our life. And so I think this is maybe the answer to, to my question that I had in my head now. I don't even know if I said the question or not, but like how to kind of come to, to that place of wholeness or health or freedom or being healed is kind of taking that third eye, that third person, that observer perspective, standing on the line and just being like, oh, it's whole already. It's just constantly changing as well. It's just yeah. playing out, but it's it doesn't mean that something is broken. It's just constantly changing. And in a certain way, I got to fall in love with change like i gotta accept change if not i'm constantly gonna be trying to fix something and find stability that will never really occur in the way that i want it so yeah maybe that is that is yeah. what i feel about that definitely and like i think it's important for people to know like yes there's always that pendulum swing Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's masculine feminine or whether it's feeling like the lowest of lows to highest of highs but you know that's always going to be there there's no such thing as being fixed or heals but it doesn't mean that the pendulum swing has to be so intense each mm -hmm. time and that's the thing people need to learn is like again there's no such thing as fixed or healed but the intensity of it does not have to be that intense you can be in a state of not always balanced but just comfortable in yourself and who you are comfortable with stillness okay with uncertainty okay with mm -hmm. conflict you know you can get to a point where you're okay or with people not liking you you can get to a point where you're okay with being uncertain with money with a situation with being ungrounded like you can get to a state of mind where you have an acceptance to everything around you but for you to accept physical things, you also have to, you have to accept things internally first. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what I hear you say is that to get to that point of like more and more and more and more acceptance with whatever is happening in the moment, like the foundation of that is that we really got to accept what has happened in the past. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, majority of us are living in the past every single day, every single experience, you know, when someone is either freezing or react, like any, any kind of trigger, like a light freeze, a light reaction conflict, that is a trigger and that is you reacting to something in the past. Like one of the most common ones that happens to so many people, it's one that's an example of bringing my brother into, is like he used to get so triggered when you'd be, when someone would ask him to do the dishes. The mm -hmm. dishes, he would just be like, wow, like, he would just like go crazy. Like, and I feel like we all have this with cleaning, some something to do with cleaning, but um, he, he would just go crazy around the dishes. And but then after this is like years later, I would think about it and I'm like, now I look back at that experience. And, it, and but it's not that he was mad at you asking him to do the dishes, it was just like, you haven't seen what I've done. 
Mm. You haven't seen what I've done here or here. You don't hear me. You don't see me. All you see is what I don't do. Even though he reacted horribly over being asked for something simple thing, what was the actual meaning and the intention, the subconscious intention behind that? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're mad at yourself for reacting too much or anything, like there is a valid reason. Doesn't mean your actions are okay or someone else's actions are okay, but everything that you do, you say, you feel is valid. There's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> Acceptance. I feel yeah. like that's like the the common word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is and. I had a question and now I got to accept that I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> That's don't try to find that. <laughs> don't try to find that question again. Um, no, it's just, I'm, I'm also curious, like, how did your life change? Like since you develop like more and more understanding and more and more experience, like, with actually yourself with your mind with your beliefs and all of that like did your life necessarily on the outside get more organized and less chaotic or was it really more like a internal change that made it all seem differently or both like just like how how did how did things shift in your um perception so both um But for me, I'm like a, I manifest weirdly. Like when I go through like a mental change, like if I, I can literally like go, it happened to me the other day. Like I accepted uncertainty in my life and then literally like I looked, there was $600 that was transferred to my account. Like I manifest in such a weird way. Like I'll have like, I'll go through a mental change and I'll receive, I will receive like instantly. It's very weird for me. Um, But For me, I think, like, it's actually tough. Like, we say, like, you know, talking now, and I'm sure it's the same for you, like, you know, oh, I overcame this and this, and it was really great, you know, my childhood trauma. But, like, now it's great, and now that I've got the awareness, it's, like, beautiful. But, like, during it, it was actually horrible. You know, one thing that we don't talk a lot about when you're overcoming a pattern is um, going through this stage of, I wrote it down the other day, but like, you've got to grieve. You know, it's really, really normal. Like if you go into, let's say like, this is, this has happened for me where I go, this is with friendships. I used to have really toxic friendships, used to always be manipulated and stuff like that. And then I went into a friendship that was safe Mm. and they weren't trying to manipulate me. That was scary. That was so scary. Who are you? Yeah, because, like, that wasn't my idea of safe. Yeah. But what was created for me, like, you kind of have to go through this grieving stage of this, like, ego death. Like, you know, things can suddenly change and, like, you can have the life that you dream of and you'll, you feel like absolute crap. And that's something that people don't talk about because, mm-hmm. like, you actually need to go through this stage of grieving And you need to go through this processing in yourself that things are different and for you to see it differently. Again, the brain works very slow. So Mm -hmm. many things changed. My relationships changed. My relationship with myself changed. When I did the inner work, you know, like I was able to receive so much in my life, whether it was 
more abundance when it came to money, when it was more into relationships with people, um, acceptance, whatever. But to get to that place of where I was able to enjoy it, I also had to feel the heaviness of letting go of everything that I know. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. hard. And that's one thing people don't talk about in any kind of like healing journey is that process. There's a word I literally had it the other day. I'm going to like look it up right now. Um, so the withdrawal, that's it, withdrawal. Because you're mm -hmm. addicted to a pattern, right? like a drug you're mm -hmm. addicted and so you that drug's been taken away you're going to go through a freaking withdrawal stage and that's going to be really tough and really hard yeah fuck and so that's it's good. great it's great but um <laughs> it is hard and i think people yeah people will be like things will change and the, the pattern's broken and they don't feel happy and something i tell clients i'm like it's okay you're you're just in withdrawal mm -hmm. like that's okay You just did a cold turkey, like chill, chill out. Yeah. You need no, to stop taking the heroin. It's, it's yes, no, no. This is great, and it's 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 again a beautiful example of how we, how the comfort zone, for example, works, and we always mm -hmm. still think about like, oh, the comfort zone is supposed to be comfortable. It's like, yeah, but sometimes we get so comfortable in really unhealthy patterns in really unhealthy ways of living and talking to ourselves and viewing ourselves that getting out of that is kind of a danger. You know, it is a danger to our comfort it is a danger to our safety, even though this safety or this comfort is actually probably slowly killing us. It is probably growing some kind of disease and ailments within ourselves. It is making us be alone because we can't really be with other people for certain reasons. And it's just like, it is crazy how um, this comfort is so strong or this desire for comfort is so strong that even though we kind of all know that if we put in that discipline and that patience and actually gentleness with ourselves and like just sitting in that process of letting go and like in that process of change that on the other side it will be way fucking better but still it is really scary to let go of that certainty of like now i know who i am but i don't know who i will be on the other side of actually being more happy and healthy and receiving more abundance and all of that. And so there is a big fear of, I feel like uncertainty in that whole process. And <laughs> this is also just a big part of that whole healing journey or awakening or whatever we want to call it is that uncertainty. Like you will not know. Like you will have to at some point fall in love with not fucking knowing who you will be tomorrow or who you might encounter or how fucking amazing your life can be tomorrow because you can't literally imagine it right now. Like right now I can still not imagine how nice my life will be in a year because right now I still believe so many things about my life and about myself that I can't literally imagine how it will be without those beliefs 
And that's interesting to just remember that this freedom and this wholeness and this all those beautiful things that we want comes with the like with the with the big paycheck of being like you got to be fine with being in uncertainty like you really got to be fine with not knowing and that's i think something that you also kind of talked a little bit into is like you just don't know and this process of not knowing is challenging and it is difficult to let go of the certainty and to kind of take that leap of faith into the abyss and be like okay i have no idea who i'm actually going to be without that trauma but now is the time to trust that and of course that's that's not an easy one like it's it's not the comfortable path because the comfortable path is to stay where we are at with our beliefs with our thoughts with our emotions and just be like Yeah, it's shit and I actually hate it, but at least I know it. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Like, we can fall in love with the shit because we know what's going to happen. And, like, that's, like, that's like a whole other subject of, like, trusting the unknown. Like, that's, like, a, it's a very, very hard process to, to get into. But, like, usually that's the reason why we stay in these toxic patterns because at least we know it's going to be shit. At least we know the outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that, that that there's a level of safety in that. So yeah, hundred percent agree. It's it's um it's a it's a hard thing to learn, but it is a it is a wonderful thing to learn. I think that's when you do find that like comfortability in yourself is yeah, just like trusting that unknown and like I always say it to my clients, but like fall in love with uncertainty. Like fall in love with the ability to do that. Fall in love with the ability of not knowing like who you're gonna be. Like there's a literally got it written over here but something I've been saying to myself every morning I've just started to do while I'm brushing my teeth or something in the morning because I am not at all who I imagine myself to be I'm something entirely different and far more vast and strange I've been saying that to myself every morning I might steal that or borrow that from you that's yeah I can that feels it. really nice that feels really nice Yeah, because we, even if you have goals and you have dreams, you know, you could still belittle yourself in some sort of way. Like, I think, I feel like you're probably the same, but like, I used to have like such big, big, big goals and I would plan out my life like perfectly. And I kind of had to like release that, like still have goals and still have things, but not be so heavy with it mm-hmm. in that sense. Um You know, I've got more internal goals than physical now, um, which is something I'm learning. I mean, I'm still learning the process of, like, getting good with that and, again, finding that balance of too feminine, too masculine. I completely understand of that pendulum swing. But, um, you know, having goals and everything is really, really good to have and have, having wants and stuff like that, but also having the understanding that you're going to be so different. He told me two years ago I'd be doing this, like, I'm in Colombia right now living here. I wouldn't have known. I had a completely different plan for me. So. Yeah. I'm not who I believe to be. And some more stuff. <laughs> but that's <laughs> good. <laughs> no, but that's just, it's great to have even just that. Like, I am not who I believe to be. Mm-hmm. Like, just that phrase is like, 
you can do some pondering on that. In whatever direction you will go, it's probably freeing. And it's probably uncomfortable because then it's like, oh my God, I don't even know who I am. And maybe that's actually the freedom we want. Not knowing, like not being so attached, not being so heavy on like, I know where I'm going. It's like, why do we even want that? It's like, I know like, I have certain directions that I want to go, but oftentimes those directions just cause me or I cause myself in that having those directions that I carry around a lot with myself. And it's like, not just, not just mentally and emotionally, but physically. Like when I, when I go to the gym in the morning, I'm already thinking about, I got to get groceries. So I take my backpack to the gym and then after the gym, I go grocery shopping and then I walk back home with that big fucking backpack. And last week, one time I went without backpack because we had all groceries at home. But frankly, I just didn't think so much about the future and that I had to get groceries. And oh my God, that was the most enjoyable walk to the gym because I didn't carry shit around with me. You know, it's like I just walked. You know, and I was walking the walk and I was like in the gym. And then after the gym, I walked around again and I didn't go to the supermarket where I wanted to go like all the other days. And it just felt more free. And it's just interesting to see how even in, in the day to day, it's like I have this goal list and I have my daily schedule. And even though I don't write it down, like I have it in my head and there is Somehow I know what I'm going to be doing next. And I carry that around with me in the moment while I'm doing something. Mm. And that's like, it's weight. And it's kind of in a certain way, I want that certainty that I know that after the gym, I go get groceries that then I have groceries at home for blah, 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 blah. But I'm actually not open for any surprise or any kind of, Somebody ordered pizza for me. Oh, sweet. I'll have that. You know, I didn't even have to get groceries. So it's, it's kind of interesting to just see that how if we get too attached to those goals and those things that we want to do with our life, it sometimes can end up in just us carrying around a lot of things, us carrying around a backpack of like, oh, I got to be doing this. And in that process of going in that direction, not realizing that there is a lot of different avenues that we could go down that could be equally pleasurable, maybe even more pleasurable, don't require a fucking backpack, you know, because there might be somebody with a car standing down there who can drive your groceries home. So you might just meet a farmer where you can eat right on the farm, fresh from the tree, you know, and so it's, it's just interesting to see how if we don't pay attention, we can get ourselves easily caught up in a way of living that we think is perfect for us, but is actually adding a lot of weight to just us expressing ourselves moment to moment to moment. And so I love that sentence of like, I'm actually not who I believe I am. It's wow. That, that, that hits something within me. I love that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. It's like, I, the biggest thing I try to do to myself all the time and to my clients, is like, I constantly try to break my ego. Like your ego is a really good thing. And there's a beautiful and amazing reason for it to be there. But like, 
we also need to not allow it to be the one thing that controls us Mm -hmm. controls our life because we don't know who we are again we're originally just a blank piece of paper and like you know it's a big thing that like i've now changed a lot of my mentorship and with hypnotherapy is like being open to receive like you were saying before maybe there's a car maybe there's fruit on the side of the road or like some farmer like you know how much of us actually want to receive more in life and i'm not necessarily saying when it's when it's money it can be in like love and appreciation can be gifts like the most randomest thing for me and the reason why i changed my mentorship to being more around receiving is like i literally receive crazy gifts from people like on the street people just give things to me it's and i've never had that before Uh, but Mm. it's because i'm open to it but we always want if you want to receive more love you know are you actually open to receiving love in the sense that you can receive it without sitting there feeling oh i don't deserve this without judging yourself you know when we want to gain more things in our life when any kind of sense of abundance and again not just money we need to look at it like can i actually hold space for it and be Mm. comfortable with that and that that was like the biggest thing that hit me i think start of this year was like wanting so much in my life but then and like doing all this work like literally two and a half years of just doing all this physical masculine work constantly but then understanding that it's not that all the work I was doing wasn't working. It's just I wasn't open to receiving it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You pl- you planted, you did all the planting work. You put the seeds yes. in the ground, you watered, you showed up every day. But then when it came to harvest time, you were probably already planting seeds on a different, different farm again. And you were just yeah, like, or, why or am I, I not receiving anything? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Like it's, again, the mind is a a psychedelic crazy place. Like it's just so, so interesting around like we do need that, that, that balance of like that physical and that mental. Like obviously you need to do the physical work, but to receive it and to appreciate it and to feel love, we also need to do that mental, Mm -hmm. that emotional. Mm -hmm. Pendulum swing of balance. Again acceptance <laughs> acceptance yeah. acceptance coming coming back to the easy stuff ah oh, wonderful anna it's ah oh, been such a wonderful conversation i really really enjoyed that um i think we're in the process of wrapping it up um a couple of things still that like i still want to give you some space now if you want to speak into something that is really on your heart that you really want to share with listeners can be something about your offerings it can be something about whatever just wants to come through you right now and so yeah stage is yours if there's anything right now that that you'd like to share with the listeners yeah well i guess there's two things so if anyone's wanting to work with me obviously just reach out as i've got my my instagram and everything like that happy to do just like an entrance call to see what works for you at this point you're in the right direction um the way i work is quite different i do do once off sessions but i do do mentorships for however months and everything like that it does change everyone's different um so that's if you're wanting to work with me that's how to do it um but second of all i think the most important one is i think just going back to what we were saying before of like 
if you're in a hard time or if you're beating yourself up or, you know, something's not happening in the way it is, you're upset with yourself because of the way you've treated a situation, you've you reacted, you know, just always remember that you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you've received in life. Like there is no reason for you to beat yourself up. There's no reason to be your worst enemy because every single action we do, every single thought we have, there's a reason for it. You know, we are all beautiful and we're all perfect. It's just that situations that have happened in our life has made us believe and act in a certain way and everything is accepted. Again, going back to that acceptance. Yeah, it's got the lead. Wonderful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that information to Anna's account Instagram and also website will be down in the description you can check her out I would highly recommend you to check her out and yeah thank you so much for being on here Anna thank you really fucking enjoyed it and yeah I I have a feeling we're gonna do that at some point in the future again we have I think a bunch of other topics to get into (laughs) yes love it awesome yeah thank you for having me I love this Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.